Hello guys and welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. Thank you for downloading the podcast and don't forget if you are new to this, make sure you hit subscribe. All you've got to do is search Manchester City Football Social on your podcast suppliers and get involved and get the new show every single time it goes live. I'm here with two Manchester City legends as well, Fanzone Danny, Danny Jackson and uh, my good friend Walter Smith. You right, gents? Very well indeed. Always a pleasure to talk City for an hour. And Danny? Easy money. This is great. We've got some uh, special guests coming up later, haven't we, on the podcast? We sure have um, me and Walt salivating uh, the uh, the one and only Ian Bishop uh, having a chat later on. Uh, what a legend of a guy. It's yeah. going to be absolutely awesome. And stay tuned for after the podcast, we'll be talking a little bit more about how good Raheem Sterling could potentially can be. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. So here we are once again. It is Tuesday and it is XS Manchester, the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. And two very uh, distinguished Blue Moon Rising ex guest people. We have got, of course, the amazing esteemed company. We have got Steve McInerney. How are we, Steve? I am very, very good. Getting the band back together. It is. The, oh, again, the worst looking boy band in, uh, in history. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. Exactly. I'm, I'm only speaking myself because the other guy is he's like uh, the Brad Pitt of Blue Moon Rising. This is Mr. Walter Smith. How are you doing, Walt? I'm very well indeed. Thank you very much for the compliments. I think you need, need to get yourself down to... Uh, yeah. I'm disappointed. Your eyes eyes I've got my Stevie Wonder glasses on today. Um, so right, tonight is all about Manchester City as always on, on a Tuesday Later in the show we're going to be looking at the big FA Cup game at weekend The 5.30 kickoff on Saturday versus Newport And we will also be talking to a Manchester City cult hero, legend, member of the 5-1 demolition of the Red Lot, September 1989. Me and Walt will remember that. Maybe not Steve as much. <laughs> was he was four. probably, yeah, I was going to say, only just born at that stage. He scored a, do you remember the header, Walt? That lovely diving header, bottom bin, the one and only Mr. Ian Bishop. He'll, he'll be coming up a little bit later. So if you've got any questions uh, for Ian, for us, then uh, get them in. Give us a call. We'd love to speak to you. It's not all about texts and uh, and uh, emails these days. We want to speak to you on 0345 7625. You can get us on text 87711 or at MCR Footy Social on Twitter. So, uh, first up, we are going to be talking about, we're going to be salivating, salivating, I believe is the right word, guys, <laughs> about City's performance. Now, I'm going to start with Walt on this, Steve, because I heard the show last night and you eloquently talked about that performance. I mean, I, well, it, you, I'm sure you were there, you were watching that game. Um, we're not talking, we're talking about, when you say 6 0 in the Premier League, you may be thinking, listen, this is Huddersfield, this is, you know, a lower end team. This is Chelsea. This is a team that three seasons ago had won the Premier League. This is a team that not that long ago had won the Champions League and we made them look like a pub side. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely, I mean, hit for six, they were knocked out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, strangely enough, I can't believe this. I had a family do on, and I was driving up from Devon, so I set off at <laughs> four o'clock, turned the radio on, and all you can see is this uh, mad looking man smashing the top of his car roof like this as he's going up the M5 with each goal that went in. Luckily, I taped it so. I was able to annoy the family even more and, and they'd listen to it. They've no interest in football. You know, I'm embarrassing them. I'm getting off at service stations with a little spring in my step looking for Chelsea shirts. I get home and I'm like, 
or what are we having for tea? And I'm like, no, no, we're getting this game straight on. I've heard all the commentary. I've heard all about Aguero's goal. I just wanted to see it and see it and believe it. And there's many a sort of argument you could put forward that that was the best performance by a Pep Guardiola team since he arrived at Manchester City. Uh, yeah, and there's been a lot of them, Steve, hasn't there? I mean, we could probably go through the, you know, the time that Pep, particularly over the last two seasons, where you could single out certain games where you could make a case as probably the best you've ever seen. I, you know, I actually believe it was only one nil, but last season at Chelsea when yeah, we beat yeah, one nil with De Bruyne, goal. to me that was the most complete City performance I've ever seen. But they were champions then as well, so exactly. And that's the other thing in their back garden. We went and and did a did a real job on them. But when I look at the game on 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 Saturday, sorry Sunday, I look at it and we were just when we went forward we were just sublime the movement I know you singled out Bernardo Silva so did I after the game what a player that guy is what oh, I've got goosebumps right. talking about this guy because you know he's one of the most genuinely nice guys I'm lucky enough that I kind of have a little chat with him every now and again when I'm at the, at the club I want to be he's his home mate, I do imagine that imagine <laughs> Bernardo being your mate imagine it Christmas dinner sat next to Bernardo that would oh, be great be wouldn't it but, but I, I look at that performance and I actually don't believe I'm a little bit like I think you said last night Chelsea were in that game you know Chelsea weren't at their worst because we were, I was sort of thinking like 20 minutes in the first yeah, half they had a little spell actually okay but but the point is they're, they're going to have a little spell because they're Chelsea of course they're a good team but yeah. it was the fact that we were obviously when we had our spell exponentially better that was the point <laughs> really, really. thank you good I'm going like to I'm gonna google it now just to, <laughs> to make means, sure I get it means it just a lot really it's <laughs> <laughs> a posh way of saying a yeah. lot but no I because I, I felt coming into the game I don't know about you guys but I was kind of looking at Chelsea being so erratic this season which they have been you know they're putting performances in where you know they, they get beat at Bournemouth 4-0 but then they absolutely spank Huddersfield 5-0 I was thinking to myself right obviously I want that you know, Bournemouth performance, that Chelsea coming here. And you know what actually I said after the game? It didn't matter which Chelsea turned up on Sunday because we were just far better than them in every single department. Defensively, they looked weak, fragile. You know, every time we went forward, our movement was just so fluid. They just couldn't. You know, Aspilicueta, I mean, has he ever had a bigger nightmare than what he did? And he's a great player. A natural defender, one on one, and Sterling gave him absolute nightmares. And I honestly <laughs> believe, like at the moment, Sterling is—he's—I'd he's, rather have him Hazard, and that's a, a huge compliment given how he good plays for the Hazard team, is. doesn't he? He does. He, he plays for the team. He works really hard. His commitment—I yeah. mm. think it was Joe Cole who said the other day that he's possibly the most mentally indestructible player in the Premier League. And I actually well, he's agree had with that. that. Abuse, yeah. hasn't he? Given you the know. abuse he's had, given the stick he's had over the years, the fact that he is where he is now shows how resilient he actually is as a footballer. It's ridiculous, to be honest, because yeah. you yeah. have every right just to kind of crumble under all, but he's phenomenal once again. And he wasn't the only one. Bernardo and Laporte and Stones as well, centre-back, they were <laughs> oh. phenomenal. What you're doing there, Steve, and <laughs> not about yourself, I actually said after the match on City Square, I said, is there ever been a time you could give 11 players the man of the match? Because yeah, even Edison. down to Edison made some great saves yes. when he needed to Pedro it wasn't a bad performance even Kyle Walker who hasn't been <laughs> at the Walker. best of form this <laughs> season let's be honest <laughs> no but he hasn't has he let's be honest with ourselves but Kyle Walker looks like everybody looked up for it they looked solid you know and yeah Chelsea had that spell at 4-0 but we 
we just stepped back a little bit no. and every time we wanted to put, it put, put the gear down, we were back on. Of the Liverpool game where every single player turned up and I mean, to me, I still preferred the Liverpool game just because I guess it was more of a battle and, and sometimes the first half when you win that way, it comes a bit of a procession and it's good and it's like ridiculous and you laugh at it. <laughs> but the Liverpool game was pure determination and great when we won 2-1. Uh, but that game, everyone turned up and everyone performed and it reminded me that way in terms of there's no weak links and Zinchenko deserves a bit of credit oh, as well. big time. Out of the cold and into big that, time. like, where did that come from? I can only presume you played well in training and Pep thought, well, you know what, you've deserved a chance. And when, yeah. when I saw the lineup, well, when I saw the lineup coming to it, I was a little bit surprised because again, yeah, like little... you do, Zinchenko, maybe the last few times he's played has not really covered himself in glory. I was nervous, but people have got to just start thinking this is Pep Guardiola that's picked this guy he's not some he's good, you know it's not George yeah. from the dog and duck is it he knows what he's doing you know <laughs> so so to me you know Pep had obviously like like Steve <laughs> said he'd said something in sorry he'd seen something from him this week that felt he was right for that game and and Pep does tend to do that doesn't he He picks teams for the opposition you sometimes as well. what we've done oh. is if you noticed um, when we played Liverpool and when we played uh, Chelsea we're talking about two elite players of Salah and um, Hazard. Hazard. So you've got these two players that are elite, but what we've done is starved them of the ball. So our left back, whether it was Laporte or whether it was Zinchenko, wasn't getting pulled up all over the place. They were part of a system that was designed to nullify them. Do you yeah. see where I'm coming and, from? And look at, again, um, you look at Hazard in the game, Steve. Uh, one man we just spoke about there, it looked like he was almost man-marking him for most of the game. He was all over the pitch. Bernardo Silva, he was almost like Hazard's shadow as he much as he was offensively doing what he was doing. That's why he Defensively, he was ridiculous. Because uh, Bernardo's turned into the running man, like his energy, like essentially, like Bernardo was great last season, but now he's found this steely determination yeah, somewhere. Yeah. He's gone up a level in terms of his, he's, uh, he's adapted to life in England, he's come tougher. I mean, and that wasn't to say wasn't tough last year but he's obviously develops this kind of uh, just steely determination and because of that I'm pretty certain um, he's made himself at the moment like the first choice right winger well, who thought we would take that two weeks ago because he was a central midfielder and now he's a right winger again um, but the fact that he played there meant we were so defensively solid like Walker uh, Bernardo Silva they just put in the hard miles on the right there um, and as you, as you said his defensive awareness and his all round game he's the perfect Guardiola footballer he, is like, he really is like more than any and that first team. touch makes you want to cry <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it should be a little bit, shouldn't it? Like, it should be banned, that, yeah. They call him bubblegum, don't they, the players? Yeah, and the, the yeah. players call him bubblegum because of how he controls that ball, I was in sticks a, to his foot. I was in Lisbon the weekend on holiday, so I wanted to just talk up to random people about Bernardo Silva, you know, because like, oh, you're oh, Portuguese, yeah. you must love him. Yeah. I didn't, obviously, because I'm not in mental, but <laughs> I genuinely wanted to, but because I was that excited. But you should have got a city shirt with Bernardo on the back, you'd have been mobbed <laughs> oh. by people over there, no oh, doubt. I, I want to start a campaign, He should, be, he, we should just nickname him now Manchester City's Forrest Gump <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. or Duracell Bunny oh, or something he doesn't like know that. when to stop does he he's nah. up and down and what I love about him is he's so small and petite and he's, he's pushing Virgil van Dijk over yeah. he's, like, he's just not scared of any size of player or what the reputation of that player is he's just got that he's like a bumblebee he's like yeah. everyone must be playing like a pack of bumblebees and to try and counteract that as a, as a you know as a, as a manager you get stung don't you you oh, get you stung get if that st happens oh I like, like it you get stung <laughs> But that's exactly what happened to Chelsea, you know, and he did, if you noticed, the other big game I think was a more important game because it stopped Liverpool going 10 points clear. Bernardo Silva was exactly the same in that game. He was here, he was there. 
He was everywhere. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, after the game, I saw the interview, I don't know if you saw it, with uh, the BBC interview with Raheem Sterling, or, or the Sky interview, one or the other. Um, they asked Raheem Sterling, was that a win or was that a statement? Now, he was very humble in his response, Steve. <laughs> you know, he says, yeah. it's just three points. Let's be honest, nah, that is lying. more than three he's points. Lying. He's definitely lying. That's why he was on social media having fun afterwards, because he knew he could not after that. But I was saying <laughs> on this show um, a couple of weeks ago that uh, this run of games, we had the Arsenal, uh, Everton, Liverpool, uh, sorry, Chelsea. Not only did we have to win, I honestly believe we had to win in style, just to show how up for it we were. And I do believe, fear factor is a thing, and given the fact Liverpool are dropping points at the moment, that we did attempt uh, a double kind of pronged statement, really, to, Car- to Chelsea for the Carabao Cup final and to Liverpool for the title. Uh, and it was, yeah, definitely a statement. How can it not be? Because we've dismantled a very good team, and we dismantled a very good team a week earlier, and we beat a team away from home that usually give us trouble. It's been a hell of a week for Manchester City Football Club, a nine points, 11 goals. Uh, it's been brilliant. Uh, and now Liverpool will be scared. You can tell. Even the little things like, and I don't blame fans for doing this, but the Liverpool uh, fans got together and made a big thing about the game before Bournemouth because. Uh, even though they want to support, they've got now else great. to do. <laughs> <laughs> but they did that because they they know something at the moment. It, there's some edginess there, so they're trying to compensate for that. Which is fair play to them for giving it. But that shows that they are thinking about that. We're there and we're matching them now. Um, and just like that, we're back in the race. Uh, and we're probably well, we are favourites now, going to the bookies. Um, and it's good because we've sent a message across the Premier League with uh, that we're here and we're back to our very best. Uh, and I'm excited. I think all City fans are probably excited too at the moment. Yeah, and. Um, I don't think that excitement is going to cease anytime soon because the games are coming thick and fast oh, as yeah. well. And is it important? I mean, obviously we went through that, you know, that little blip where um, we lost a few games and, and particularly the Newcastle performance. I don't think there's any City fan that could kind of get their head around that. But do you think that's over now, Walt? I mean, when we're talking about that statement that we've made, I don't think the Chelsea game, it's not just the Chelsea game that to me is the statement. It's the fact that we've, like Steve said there, we had a week of playing Arsenal, Everton away, which we've got a terrible record generally at Goodison Park, and then Chelsea at home. We picked up nine points. Now, for me, my statement before the Arsenal game was the ultimate statement would be to pick up them nine points, but the way that we did it, we did it in absolute style. I mean, one goal conceded, and let me do my maths, (laughs) six, three, two, 11. 11 scored. Well, that's it, you know, and... What it does is, as well is you've got Aguero. I mean, oh, Aguero. Stop it. I know. Just <laughs> look, at, look at the love on his face when he says the word Aguero. Oh, Aguero. It's a bit crazy, to be honest. You know, he's, he's, he's the kind of player that just would get into any team in the world. And he's been he's ours and he's been ours and he's been so overlooked in the Premier League. It's just the fact that he's smashing these, smashing these teams but smashing these records out of the park at the moment. And it just reflects well on him and it reflects well on Pep Guardiola who's turned Pep Aguero from this poacher almost into this complete centre-forward. And we're benefiting from that. And the way he links up all the play... And the thing, another thing I love about him is you'll see him do runs that are down a blind alley to create space for other players because all the other teams have got their defenders are looking at him and saying, Aguero, you know, yeah. and they're drawn towards him. So that's what he's managing to do, a complete centre forward. But it's a statement. Oh, of course it is. You know, uh, Chelsea would have fancied it before the game. Arsenal, 
they'd have thought, you know, we might nick a point here. Everton, the turmoil they're going through, but they put up a really good performance. That was the closest of the three games. That yeah, that played. was a very different performance, that one, wasn't it, to the other two? Yeah. It was more ground out. It wasn't spectacular on the Sound night. champions. Exactly. You need to do that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> a ground out result and two bankings. It's not bad, really, is it? Yeah, it's not too bad. Two top six claims. I mean, for me, a slight contrarian point. Does it make the... The, the little kind of dip in form around Christmas a little bit more frustrating seeing the levels we've reached now does it because and I don't I'm not one for looking back but the Newcastle game and you think oh, why were we so positive yeah. and then does it make it more frustrating for you guys completely it doesn't does but it also I thought I think the Newcastle game is going to be the nucleus for us winning the league and because I think it showed the players and you've seen Pep come out since in, since saying I don't let them breathe now. They've got a hundred percent Guardiola on them. <laughs> Not just and can you imagine coming into work and that man he just jumps out from behind a door and it's like he starts just rabbiting straight away because he's had all these thoughts running around his head all night. Yeah. So you just be thinking, Oh, right, I'm stuck in a corner. Right, I'll listen to you, Pep. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> and you can only take in so much that he's saying. But on a serious note, that the beauty of Manchester City is they've got this manager, Pep, and they've managed to get all these players completely buying into the system of Pep, which is, seems to be the opposite of what's happening at Chelsea at the moment. Mm. So, win. But it will take time. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. labour about Chelsea, but I mean, like Pep said, his first season, to try and instil that philosophy with the players, it didn't happen in his first season. But I think if they give... Sorry, time. I think he probably will get it right. However, Chelsea are not renowned for giving managers too much time. So I do feel that, that maybe Sarri's head is on the block. Just really quickly, Steve, before we go to the break, um, what sort of influence do you think that will have on the Carabao Cup final? Because obviously we play Chelsea again in two weeks' time. Yeah, you know, um, have we basically sussed them out? Are they basically going to go there, you know, expecting defeat? I was chatting to a Chelsea fan today, actually, with some stuff I was doing away from this. And um, he's nervous. He's very nervous. He'd expect he would be. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's one of those where it's double-edged because they could see it as a way to actually try and prove a point and it's a final so yeah. surely they won't be as bad as they were in this game because some lessons will be learned and he doesn't good learn from lessons does he? Oh, I don't know He's, well they beat us early on the season so they can perform obviously uh, and I, I won't write him off and be cocky about it I, it obviously makes us favourites it obviously shows that we can step it up when it matters and it obviously shows that uh, we, we, we are man for man better than them but it, I, you always have to fear the wounded animal and it's so soon that it's going to be fresh in the minds when, when it comes around and uh, we won't play a single Premier League game before that either so it's going to mm. be our main focus and it's going to be absolutely huge um, and I think Chelsea will strike back I still think we'll win but I think it'll be a lot closer than this time but I think that's just common sense really given yeah. how much of a crashing that was yeah I think they, they, they need to they need to be some sort of reaction from Chelsea so uh, wow 20 minutes has absolutely flown by we're going to uh, take a break now but after the break we're going to get on the phone the Bish Ian Bishop Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. We're talking Manchester City until 7 o'clock. I'm Stephen McInerney. I'm here with uh, the legendary Walter Smith and Danny Jackson, fan zone. Danny, we're going to be talking about all things Manchester City, including uh, the Newport game, the build-up, all that kind of stuff, the run-up to the Champions League, and much, much more. If you want to get involved, call 0345 1-7-6-2-5, or you can just text in on 87711. But before we get into any of that stuff, uh, Danny's been through his phone book and he's got a bit, bit of a guess haven't you, Danny? Just a bit. This guy is a true city legend. He's got 
he, even when he played for us, he's still got the greatest hair now that you have ever seen on a footballer. Forget your Robbie Savage. This guy, this guy's got proper hair. He was a proper footballer, member of the 5-1 Demolition Derby, September 1989. The one, the only. The Bish! Good evening, Bish! Oh, oh, you can't be just for men, can you? <laughs> How are you, my mate? You okay? I'm doing okay, doing all right, mate. Yeah, really happy when I got the message off you. Yeah, yeah I bet. good to speak to you. Of course it is, mate. Of course it is. You're probably sunning yourself out there in Florida. How's the weather out there at the minute, mate? Uh, mate, I haven't gone out yet. I've been doing the housework and uh, made me a bit Cleaning the pool and stuff like that, yeah? Yeah, made me a bit homesick listening to the traffic on the M62, actually. <laughs> Not, yeah. Uh, listen, Bish, first, I mean, before we get into current day City, um, I mean, we've had you down at City Square loads of times. You you know, you love getting involved at the club. Um, tell us about, I mean, I want to know, because I don't think I've ever asked you directly, that demolition derby, the 5-1, you got that goal. You know, you look back at times like that, mate, and, you know, how proud are you of what you did? Not just at City, obviously, at West Ham, but particularly memories like that they must really stand out for you they do mate you know it's, it was uh, it was a sort of weird scenario with what happened to me with the club you know um, you know, being there so such short a time just the first time I was there in 89 and and, and obviously coming to the, the reality I didn't want to leave I had three and a half years left on my contract but once the manager says he's prepared to let you go it, it's a case of okay well, well he's shown his colours and, and would it be so bad going and playing at West Ham you know, uh, a proper footballing club and, and and just get back on that horse again. You know, it took me so long to get to City. You know, people don't realise I had four years of Carlisle. Yeah. Uh, but, but I take everything, mate. I take every part of my career, the, the, the ground and everything coming through the youth system, them giving me my values. You know, the four years of Carlisle was, was making me a man and making me a player, making me a footballer. I feel that the spell of Bournemouth sort of uh, resurrected me in, mm. in a sense. And then City gave me that platform. And then the, the, the coming back was, it was a no-brainer for me, mate, to be honest with yeah. you. Uh, I didn't even look at the situation that the club were in at the time. It was just a case of, I actually couldn't believe it when my missus phoned me and said, look, City are on the phone, do you want you to speak? And honestly, I, I couldn't get, I couldn't get back from the pub. I couldn't get back to the <laughs> <laughs> Quality. And it, I mean, it's a very different city these days to the one maybe you were at at the time. I mean, you look at this season, we're still in the four trophies, you know, very much in the hunt for the Premier League. I mean, how, how do you see this season panning out? I mean, obviously the league is going to be a close-run thing. Champions League is always going to be difficult to win. And then we'll, the Carabao Cup final is still in the FA Cup. You know, how do you, how do you see overall this season panning out, Bish? Well, well, we, we learned our lesson from last year, didn't we? Because everybody was talking about it. You know, the four trophies, Camp Pep do it. I mean, I mean the, the beauty of that is, yes, he probably could. You know what I mean? Somebody like him and what he's done at the clubs he's been at, and especially what he's doing now, because this is probably his, his toughest examination, isn't it, coming and managing City? Yeah. But, you know, the, the title itself is a two-horse race. I mean, Tottenham, uh, uh, for me, are in a false position, watching them against Leicester, seeing them struggle in a game that I don't care if Kane and Deli Alli enough, they still should have enough but they don't to me you know um, uh, uh, looking at Liverpool okay they're, they're excelling again you know and I heard things I did a little bit of talk sport through the week oh the, the fans are nervous how can you be nervous but in a two horse race now okay 
they're not looking up at City, chasing them, and probably the pressure's off if they was like that. But I'd rather be sitting on top with them extra points or the extra game, don't don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. I was going to ask you, Bish, you always reminded me of a player that was um, sort of a Pep Guardiola player. You had that 360 vision and, you know, you could put your foot on the ball <laughs> and you could find a man... Oh, you know, you just you could find the channels, you could see the runs. I was going to ask you which player would you compare yourself most to in this City squad? Well, well, I don't know about comparing because I think he gets his foot in a little bit more than I did, but I'd love to sit in that Fernandinho role, mate. I mean, I think I had, I had the ability to, to be a little bit further forward also, but I think that would have been the, the position for me because... I mean, I mean, look, when it was just a basic 4-4-2, there was always one of your two midfield that, that needed to bomb on, and then somebody had to be sensible enough to see there's gaps to be filled. And I always found that I was the person filling the gaps. Well, probably because I was slower than the other midfield player who wanted to get forward. But, but you know, I always felt, felt that responsibility, and I feel that that position now... I was told in my time, both at City and West Ham, that I came too deep and got myself in trouble sometimes helping out. Now, I don't see that as being wrong. I see that as a natural thing that I did, you know. And, and I, right now, the way you, your keeper gets involved, and especially Edison, the way he gets involved. He's a one-off, the system that he plays. I think, yeah, I think I would have just slotted into that position more comfortably than anywhere else, to be fair. I don't know what Walt's memories of you, but when you said Fernandinho, me and Walt looked at each other and was kind of like, <laughs> really? You know, to me, you're a David Silva. You are a David yeah, Silva. You could, you could see them passes. You were tenacious. Mate, listen, you always undersell yourself. I, I generally try and big you up uh, because cause of what I think of you as a player. I mean, you know, for me, you saw them, like Walt said, you could you could knock a ball on a sixpence. You you saw the passes, you saw the runs. You just had that overall vision. Anyway, you won't agree with me because I know what you're like. You're a very, very, very humble guy. Um, well, honestly, honestly, mate, to, to, for you to put my name next to his, I, I, don't, I don't get overawed or excited about meeting people, being in the presence of people. And I've I've done it, you know, you can go through any walk of life and I've been involved or in the presence of people. But I was at one of the City games and I got in the lift and David Silva was injured that day. I got in the lift and he was in there. And although he's a little bit smaller than me, I felt in awe of him. And I, had to, <laughs> I was compelled to put my hand out and say, I'm Ian Bishop, it's so good to meet you. And I don't think I've ever done that with anybody else. <laughs> Maybe he should have done that to you, Bish. I think he should have done it. He should have got down on his knees and, <laughs> and prayed to the Bish. You'll have to have a word with him. I will. Can I ask just, I mean, you're in Florida and, you know, you've got your sunshine, you've got your pool and all that kind of lifestyle. Does it still shock you when you're walking down the road and you see someone on the other side of you at the mall and he comes out of a coffee shop and he's in his city shirt and, you know, he's kind of double, triple taking? Does that still shock you or is it becoming more commonplace? No, it's, it still shocks me, to be honest, especially especially here. And, and one of the weirdest things was, I mean, I was in Rome last, last summer and I was in this, uh, like a, a sports shop looking for a shirt for me, one of my sons, the one who's a Man City fan, actually. He, he does like the Roma side of things with, with Jekyll, you know? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and then somebody, some father, they just had a regular shirt on and, and he said, you're Ian Bishop, aren't you? <laughs> and I went, yeah. 
I'm an I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Rome and a Sheffield Wednesday fan recognised the city Bournemouth <laughs> and City player. That was really strange to me, sir. I was just wondering, because uh, obviously you had two spells at City and the spells were like 10 years apart. And obviously you're back at City, pretty common these days in terms of watching the club every now and then. How does it feel like, have you seen a massive change even from that initial 10-year gap to now? Does it feel like you've seen the club grow from different areas hugely? It's amazing what's happened, honestly. Just, I mean, the difference in the 10 years for me just then, and that was back in, what, 98 when I came back. The difference then, the thing that stays the same is the attitude and the temperament of the fans. You know, yeah. I know you've got a new generation, but, but it's funny for me that when I do come back that you've got the little kids walking with the dads and the kids are trying to get to the main entrance to see the players and the dads are pulling them away to come and have a chat with you, you know? And, and and that's how it's always going to be for me. I was in New York recently at the City Supporters Club. And good army, was people that Good bunch. Sorry? They're a good bunch, them, yeah, aren't they? I was there recently as well. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I had a great weekend because I had a Saturday in the West Ham Supporters Bar. And then I went to the City one on the Sunday, so... Imagine how that weekend went. You're not shy of a drink, Bish. I, uh, I do know that about you, that's for sure. Just old of course you are. Listen, we're going to uh, let you get, you know, finish off cleaning your pool, get your factor fifty on, and get get back out on that sunbed. But listen, complete honour as always to speak to you, mate. You know, you're uh, you're a city legend. We love you. Me and Walt are, are massive fans. Steve was a little. He was only three year old when you played for us. No, so, I remember uh, the second spell. I was like fourteen then, and I remember oh, okay. thinking this guy can pass. You know, yeah. it was all right, and he could <laughs> pass. But uh, thanks for coming on, Bish, and uh, and see you soon. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Good man. Before the season ends. Look forward to it. See you soon. See you, mate. Ian Bishop. Now, well, look at our faces when we were talking to him. I mean, we that guy, I mean, I know, obviously, maybe he didn't play as much as, you know, some city legends down the era. Maybe legend might be the wrong term. I don't know. But he was a bit of a hero at the time because he was a cultured player. He gave everything for the shirt. And, you know... He gets he gets that diving header in the five one. I mean, to me, that 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 is a definition of legendary status. Do you know what? You make yourself immortal, then, don't you? Yeah. I tell you, we could do with him. I'm telling you now. At this weekend, I know we're going to move on to it, but that pitch is you know that we're going to be playing on would have been like the pitches he was playing on. So I'd have him back, you know. <laughs> what now? At a time machine, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you want to get his new port, I reckon, you know. Yeah. Line him up centre mid alongside, I don't know, Foden or someone. <laughs> well, generations. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right, Danny. Me and you were like two little kids coming down the stairs and we thought, we just heard Santa's been you know, like, looking at <laughs> yeah, each other. tiptoeing round. But, I mean, obviously he's out there now in the States. It sounds like he's sunning himself up. Another another uh, team that have done that is Liverpool, Steve. You know, they've yeah. gone out there uh, to do some warm weather training. Obviously with City, we've got... The, the FA Cup game, the Carabao Cup, which they're not in. So that, how do you think that is going to impact maybe on the, the latter part of the season? Do you think that'll be a huge advantage that they've got that opportunity to do it? Or, or do you think playing games thick and fast is is the way to go? I, always, I never quite get the warm weather training thing because to me, it's like an admission that things at the moment aren't quite right. It's like it's almost like saying we can't handle this so we need a break to get on with it. And surely psychologically, that doesn't really send a strong message. It should be like, no, this is our job. We're getting on with it. I can see the idea behind it, but it doesn't, I don't 
I always think it's necessary because it's, it's not, it kind of like snaps you out of where you are and the focus and the best players and I think any player will say this as well that like they want to just keep playing games they want to just keep getting on with it obviously they haven't got other games because they're out from the cups but it feels to me um, like I don't know I mean I guess I'm speaking from City experience where obviously we did it uh, you know a couple of seasons back and we, it didn't go particularly well for us uh, when we came back and uh, what, what game was it we lost uh, Wigan uh, Wigan in yeah in the cup um, it, it just doesn't seem like a wise idea I mean they could come back and win 10 in a row I hope they don't but it just <laughs> feels like uh, you should just kind of be getting on the job and focusing it and instead of having a jolly and it will be a jolly let's be honest mm. it, always, it always kind of ends up in those kind of things when they go away <laughs> but I don't know to me I'm not really sold on it no. I could tell you two reasons, Danny, why it won't work. Number one. Oh, I like this. Oh, no, this is just straight up. Number one, you know when you're coming back from holiday and you, you, you're landing into Manchester or you're landing into John Lennon Airport, if you're Liverpool, and you look out the window and it's miserable and it's raining, <laughs> how much does your mood improve when you know you've got to be back at work the next day? What type of person are you then? You're right. So that's number yeah. one. And number yeah. two... We talk about science moving its way into the into the football. And if you look at all the players, we know when they're getting close to injuries, the red zone, as they call it. But we've got that massive squad, you know, that can... We, and you can see Pep just dropping in players, drip, drop, drip, drop, drip, drop, all the way through. So there's players out to prove a point that they want to be... They want to be getting in that first team, so they're battling as well. Mm. So they're looking over, you know, at the, you know, their best mate, as it were. They're looking over, thinking, "You're not getting in this team this week. I am, and I'm mm. going to show the manager in training." So we're doing that week in, week out. We've got the big squad, but more psychologically, landing when it's pouring down. Don't put anybody in a good place. <laughs> I can see fours and against it, to be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, a bit of warm weather, you know, a bit of kind of, I guess, light training, you know, over there. Maybe at this stage in the season, it's not about, you know, hard drilling them. It's going to be quite, kind of a bit more like, I can see that it'd have an advantage. But at the same time, I just think momentum is so important yeah. in winning, in winning titles. I'm not just talking about winning games, but, you know, we're going to be hard at it over the next couple of weeks, preparing for Burton at weekend. We're going to be hard at it, preparing, obviously, for the Carabao Cup final and then the league games once again come come thick and fast and in between all that we've got the Champions League as well so you know for me I, I think if I was a player I think I'd rather well, be playing and, and, and for me just you know being everything I the guess, squad size we've got Steve as well yeah, is huge got, isn't it you know you've got gonna, games that's the thing I guess yeah. until they've got like a week and, a week out basically today until they play Bayern so maybe they're thinking that if they just train for another week seven days it might just be a little bit too repetitive so they're probably thinking maybe we'll just kind of change the senior a little bit for the sake of that because otherwise they've got literally a week and a half without playing any football so it could be purely just a, a logistic kind of thing just to put them in a different kind of headspace because they have got uh, a huge game everyone of games coming up we've got Bayern United Watford Everton uh, you know so it's a massive kind of run of games that could define their season so it could be just because they have a gap not because they feel like they need it just for something essentially something to do you know in that period of time because <laughs> yeah. they haven't they're not in the cup competitions like we are so um yeah. You know, I, I'm still not convinced. Uh, I feel like it does kind of shift focus in a potentially negative way. But I mean, physiologically, it could be good for them, could help them in terms of recuperation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I guess none of us actually technically know what it's going to yeah. do. Um, well, it, sh it shifts thing, my focus from the fact that they got knocked out of both competitions. <laughs> Let's just focus on that. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, you and, know what uh, it's like? Uh, whenever, I mean, I, I'm a teacher, aren't I? So whenever I go into school and we get knocked out of a competition... You try and put a brave face on it, you know, oh, we can concentrate on the league. You know, and you, you know anybody who says that, you know they're dying inside. Yeah. They've said it and you think, 
yeah, and you've mate. got to influence them kids oh. to be blue, Walt. Come oh, on. I'm sure time. you do. Oh, we do try, but, you know, <laughs> it's one of them where they've played the, you know, we've gone, we're concentrating on the league card, and that's the, that's the submission, and you think... The boy's had enough. Yeah. He's had enough. Yeah. Don't push it much yeah. further. Yeah, you've gone as far as you can go. And, you know, if somebody said to you, you know, would you rather get knocked out against Burton in that semi-final? You know, mm. would you rather this happen? You go, no, no. Wembley, here we come. Football's about trophies it. at the end of the day. Uh, and I still think there's nothing better than winning a trophy uh, in February. It's like the boost you get from that. Like, yeah. I loved Wembley last year. It was amazing. And winning was a, a trophy, just it gives you that impetus to go on and taste in silverware. And you see how much he meant to play on the like, Wembley last year. They, they loved it. They absolutely yeah. loved it. And then it makes you feel invincible. It makes you want to go on a run. And I keep saying it, winning breeds winning. It breeds confidence. And mm. like that's what winners do. They keep playing games. They keep winning. Uh, and essentially, if they've, they've, they've already failed in two trophies. You know, look at it that way. That's a, a negative way of looking at it, but it's true. Completely. Uh, yeah, and, that again. And, well, <laughs> they failed in two trophies. Oh, yeah. And all their eggs now are in these two kind of like really precarious baskets. And like, it, for us, we've got, uh, you know, this... We're essentially, our standards of excellence are still there. We're still in all the competitions. We've still got uh, loads of games to play. And we'll keep our squad active as well. Look at it that way in terms yeah. of our backup players will all be yeah. active, will all be involved. Um, we'll have this really kind of like cohesion with a team spirit. They'll all be in it together. They'll all be playing games. And they'll all know that if they go as far as they can do, they've all been involved. And there'll be that kind of unity from the fact that they're all so busy together. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. and that squad depth may be uh, called upon uh, this weekend as uh, City take on Burnley. Uh, Burton uh, I'm losing Newport. I'm, going back, I'm going back again uh, play, take on Newport in the FA Cup 5.30 kickoff on uh, on Saturday and after the break we're going to be discussing that game looking ahead looking at formations and what we think about that pitch but if you want to get involved give us a call 0345 7625 or get us on text 87711 Manchester City Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. We're back to the third and final part of uh, this football social, and I'm here with Steve McInerney and uh, Danny Jackson. Now, the third part of the um, show, we're going to be looking at the build-up for the new uh, the Newport County game. How will the pitch affect City? Will it be con- you know conductive? Will it be an equaliser? Can City adapt to tough conditions in an awful stadium? He did win once, 6-1 at Old Trafford. <laughs> and uh, Joe, Coles made, Joe Coles made some uh, comments about Raheem Sterling being the best player in the next few years in the Premier League. Newport County, Danny. Yes, well, Newport County, so not Burton, like I said at the end of the last one, but... Um, yeah, I think um, I, I, I'll be quite interested to see with what team Pep goes with because, uh, I mean, ultimately he is definitely going to uh, rotate players. I think you're going to see quite quite a few players that maybe haven't had a lot of game time, uh, the likes of uh, Fabian Delph and, and uh, Danilo. I do think he can take the chance 
the pitch will absolutely be a leveller. There's no doubt about that. Maybe not a leveller, but it'll bring the you know the the gulf that is yeah. top of the Premier League to midway in the in League Two. You know that is a huge gulf, but I yeah. think that pitch will slightly even it out. However, however, I think our team are very capable of 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 winning that game in style. I feel like I'm, I'm the only City fan who thinks this has been played up a bit too much because essentially, under day, yeah. like it's just a pitch. You know, it's bad, but pretty mm. much Newport, Newport have to deal with it all the time. And loads of other teams have to deal with it, so we can't be <laughs> these prissy prima donnas moaning about a pitch because we're millionaire footballers and they've got. Uh, you know, it's not ideal, but we just have to get on with it really because. Uh, they paid a lot of money to do this. Uh, and for me, I don't think it's a bigger deal that people are making out to be because I think our quality is its just so much bigger. And that's no disrespect to Newport. They're currently sat mid-table, you know, uh, in League Two. And we are out and out favourites by a long way. And if, if for whatever reason they, they beat us, that's not the pitcher's fault. That's us underperforming. So we should focus on our own abilities, really, then instead of wondering, uh, worrying about uh, the conditions. Yes, it will definitely help Newport. But I do think, um, in general, it's not going to suddenly make them, you know, capable of getting the ball off us or anything like that. We should be able to play to our abilities. And even if we do rotate players, I actually think we'll play a slightly stronger team than we think because I think Pep will take it seriously in the way he's taking all the competition series at the moment. But I still think, as you said, it'll be uh, it'll be the likes of uh, Danilo and uh, Fabian Delph. And then we'll see Gundogan probably start still. And Gabriel Jesus and Mahrez, it's still going to be a really strong team. And we'll probably see Muric get a game maybe as well. <laughs> I don't think we'll even see a youngster, maybe Foden, but... But I think we'll go take it quite seriously, um, and we, we should do because you know we're quite far in the competition. There's not many teams left in it uh, that we should be genuinely fearful of, um, and it's a, a big chance for us to uh, go one step towards going to Wembley again. It's uh, a huge chance, yeah. Walt. Well, is it when you look at what you would sort of say is the stereotypical top four slash six in the Premier League? Uh, them t- there's only two left they face each other in Chelsea and United you know let's be honest I think you'd fancy our chances against either of them as well so I'm not saying it's a, a potentially a clear passage to the final but it, wait, wait, you know, when people say, and I'm not going to talk about us winning the quadruple, but when, when we're still in four trophies, going to win, trying to win four trophies, what you've got to have is that element of luck as well about yeah. your draws yeah, and who you get. You know, we've got an element of luck with drawing a lower league team. You know, let's be honest, Schalke was the easiest of the draws we could have got in the Champions League. Definitely. I'm not, nothing against Schalke, but you know, that ultimately was the, the facts of the situation. You know, the league takes care of itself over 38, eight games and we're very much in the mix of that. We're in the final of the Carabao Cup. We'll be heavy favourites to win that as well. So, so I'm not, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying we're going to win one, two, three, or four trophies. But what I'm saying is, you know, th- th- this has, this probably never been a better chance for us to. I'm not going to say quite for us to <laughs> maximise maximise our yeah. trophy well, hall this season the Premier League teams evolve still you, uh, you've only got you know Watford obviously City and you've got Chelsea and United going to the age of a, to those I two. was saying that was the it's best gonna, draw we could have had you it, know just in terms of we've got Newport but it was the two other big guns went up against each other Now before showed me a video of Newport's pitch and I'm telling you (laughs) they may as well be playing on a park but not just any old park you know when it's got all the tractors running over it after a fair or if anybody's been to a kind of festival that's the kind of pitch that we're talking about you know it seems like they play rugby on there and then they just get out I don't know what's the what's the what's the 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 big thing that they use and they just go over and flatten all of it you know the big (laughs) wheeler See, you can tell I'm not into gardening, but we all know what I'm on about. The big wheeler that you push. And yeah, you just big heavy roller. Yeah, big heavy yeah. roller. They just flan it all over again, and then it's good to go. And they're used to playing on that. But I'm, 
Anybody who sees our players, they're used to playing on carpets, bowling greens. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't take them by any kind of surprise. I mean, the changing rooms there as well, they've never seen anything like this. Do you, you reckon know? they've currently got like uh, kind of pitchforks out at uh, the CFA digging up pitches just to replicate the well, pitch? I, that's oh, I reckon they've, they've, they've already organised a, a, a friendly rugby match just to <laughs> churn it up a little bit more. Because let's be honest, though, you look at it, you look at it, you know, why would they not? Use that to their advantage. Of it's, they will. A, it's a situation where they we have they have got, like you said a minute ago, Steve, the, the you know the millionaire footballers, the big time Charlies rolling into town. They surely they have to use every angle yeah, they can to do. give themselves some kind of advantage. I just don't believe we should be looking for potential excuses. I agree. Like, I agree, like, but I, they'll still try. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've just been contrarying this because I think uh, in general, like uh, they've get, they got beat four one to Forest Green at home the other day. So Forest, <laughs> um, Forest Green can you know deal with it. Then Barry uh, beat them a couple of weeks. The only worry for me uh, is injuries, you know, but then I guess that could happen at any point. That's the worry for me mainly. I think in general, we've got too much ability to like uh, to worry too much about the pitch and how it affects us because we still can play it perfectly, you know, can play 30, 40 year old lofted balls. Still Just play Edison brilliant. midfield. Yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. That might might solve the problem. No, he might get injured, and in some respects, he's our um, he's the one he's player. Maker. But he's the one player that we can't do without. You know, people talk about Ferrandinho, and I look at you know you've got Gundogan, or you know there's other players that can slightly fill in. But Edison, you know, he, he is the the goalkeeper that they just broke the mold after they made him. You know, he's a one off, and you know. It, that was the one thing against Chelsea. He was so good there. Mm. But you know, you can. I'm not too worried about Edison. I say that, and someone's going to trickle a ball. It's going to hit one of those lumps that hasn't been rolled, <laughs> and it's going to end up in the back of the net. <laughs> but as you were saying, Danny, before, you do get this sort of uh, look with the draw, and we have had the look with the draw, and we need to now capitalise on that and go as deep into the competitions. That sounds better, doesn't it? I like go, that. Go as deep into these competitions. <laughs> That's kind of non-committal, isn't it? It's yeah, I like that. very non-committal. I feel, I feel a bit uh, politician. Almost like. Listen, I'm like Steve, I'm not into all that jinxing like, you know, people <laughs> yeah. going mad because City tweet something that's maybe slightly, you know, I disrespectful. Like, genuinely quite arrogant. Like, people believe what they say has an impact on the universe as a whole. like, no, it doesn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, it doesn't. You're I used to be into guy. superstitions when I was a kid, you know, where I used to wear, you know, certain colour boxer shorts when City, I mean, nowadays, I am not interested. We are watching the cream of the crop, the you know, we've got the, the best crop. side and if it goes to, you know, the potential of the two sides, we should go to Newport yeah. and absolutely I've got a mate who's... Roll them out of town. I've got a mate who's worn the same jumper and it's getting holier and holier to City <laughs> over Fire. 20 years. <laughs> Tony's jumper. You know, I wouldn't even recognise Tony if he didn't come along with his jumper on. <laughs> That's it. Speaking of the cream of the crop, though, before we wrap up today, uh, Rhyme Sterling, Joe Cole's come oh. out and said that he's on the way to potentially being an all-time great. Uh, you look at his stats for the past couple of seasons, he's up there very the best and averaging a goal and assist pretty much every single game. Uh, and I never really thought about it that way before in terms of like, yeah, if he does keep on the consistent rate for the next five years or so, looking at a guy who's going to have a, like something like 200 goal involvements in 200 games. And then eventually, will we be able to talk about Sterling in a few years' time as potentially uh, one of the Premier League all-time greats? Of course she is. What I love about Raheem Sterling is, is you look at his uh, intelligence and his movement and that's what singles him out as one of the better players. He can find space. No matter, there could be 20 players in a box and he's got that ability to find space. And you, you know, people say, oh, he's a tapping merchant. Well, that's a skill in itself. Nobody turned round to Ian Rush and Gary Lineker at the time and said, well, they're no good because they're tapping merchants. This is, a, a you know, and he's a kid still who's just getting better and better and better 
under Pep Guardiola. Pep's bringing the best out of him. Yeah, um, very, very quickly. Yeah, Raheem Sterling for me has been sensational. He is one of the best attacking players in the world without a shadow of a doubt. And this is a guy with the thickest skin you could ever imagine. What he's had to come up against the last few years for him to perform like he has, unbelievable. But I'm afraid, guys, that is it for this week's uh, Manchester City Football Social. Been an absolute pleasure to be in the, in the company of two legends. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate your time, guys. Have a good evening. Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Cheers, guys, for listening to the Manchester Football Social podcast. Uh, that's been a fun hour that's flown by. Uh, I'm still in the studio with the guys, and we touched on something at the very end of the show there that I want to go into a little bit more detail about. Ryan Sterling uh, is the man on fire at the moment. Goals, assists, and everything. And Joe Cole has been very complimentary about him, saying he could be an all-time great. And uh, I agree with that. Uh, I agree with Joe on this, actually. I agree with Danny on this. I'm, I said that accidentally there, but I'm sure Danny does actually agree as well. That uh, that Ryan Sterling at the moment uh, is a man... Uh, he's, he's huge for Manchester City and can he actually go on to be an all-time Premier League great in your guys' opinions? Without doubt I mean what is he 22, 23 years old he's, 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 he's 24 yeah, he's still a kid though but this you know as I said very very briefly there at the, at the end of the show you know this is a guy that has got, had to go through so much trauma and turmoil because he decided he wanted to leave a club that win nothing every season to join a club that win trophies every season you know he was probably going to get the same kind of financial contract from Liverpool but he wanted to play under Pep he wanted to to, to win things obviously you're not going to stay at Liverpool to do that and the amount of abuse I don't get fans non-living I mean let, let, let's be honest in fact I'm going to I'm going to because the more I think about this the, the, the way that it's the way that it's it's going now the, everybody other than Liverpool fans want City to win the Premier League uh, am I yeah, right in yeah. saying that out of the two of them <laughs> yeah. so why is it that these Muppets at games are booing <laughs> Raheem Sterling for leaving, leaving Liverpool to join Manchester City I just don't get it but anyway back to the to the question I, I, I think he's an absolutely sensational player on his day Unplayable. I mean, look at what he did to Aspilicueta at weekend. I mean, this is a guy, you know, he's captain Spain. He's played numerous games for Spain. You know, he doesn't often get embarrassed. Raheem Sterling embarrassed him at Just, times. Do you think he's he, underrated he, still, Walter? Like yeah, the perception of, of him. People talk about Hazard and all that lot and whatever, but no one really mentions Sterling in that same category. Why is that? Like, is he underrated still? I think because sometimes he doesn't do it for England. I know I'd just like to pick that up on, um, there was a really, really good, uh, I don't often watch Arsenal fan TV, but someone put up a two-minute clip of uh, one of the one of the guys who's on there regular, and he went yeah. into a big, big rant about what, why are Arsenal fans having a go at Raheem Sterling? Kyle Walker, fair enough, because he's ex-Tottenham. Yeah, and he went into this whole big sort of it was rant. troops, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. thought, but he, he was articulate with it as well, and he he, he put the, his point across. You know, Raheem Sterling takes abuse for shopping at Poundland, for buying his mother <laughs> something expensive. For you know, having a dirty car, having a clean car, you know, whatever certain sections of the newspapers want to dig this man out, and it's you know, sort of people have called it borderline racism, and in many ways, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, this is a young black man in, who's very successful, and if he was playing for Liverpool now, I don't think he'd be getting any of this, and he could be, he could be potentially the difference between England winning something and England not winning something 
if he's treated right. Do you think he's bothered, Steve? Do you think actually it affects him? Because what I'm saying there is, I mean, I'm sure it does to a degree, but it doesn't seem to have affected his ability on the pitch, does it? He seems like he's very mentally strong. I think he's used to it now, because I remember during when it all kicked off a couple of months ago. It's sad, though. uh, Yes, it is sad, but Gary Neville and Carragher did that thing where they talked about it, and and Neville admitted at the time we didn't deal with it very well, but Sterling actually came up to him and said, look, why is it me getting all the stick? And he actually asked him for some guidance on that front. But I think now he's developed the thickest skin and as a result in a weirdly perverse way it's actually made him a better player and a stronger player and his head is absolutely ridiculously strong to, to be where he is now despite everything it speaks volumes and to me it shows uh, probably an upward trajectory that's going to be uh, difficult to stop because the way he took that first goal against Chelsea yeah. oh, he used to run game. up towards uh, the ball and strike it almost hesitantly yeah. he'd do his that little was, T-Rex yeah, run yeah, as he was coming towards it little conviction. arms going yeah. you could see it in his eyes yeah. that he yeah. knew he was going to score he I've not seen that before from Stilling, that level of confidence. And, and that the was scary thing is, he's probably two years off being prime. I, now, how how frightening potentially could that be for, 20 for other plus teams? 20-plus goals, 20-plus assists potential player a season. And those kind of people are worth hundreds of millions. Well, on and me, he was, was, he, he was in that kind of category, wasn't he? And his he? R's under his oh. prime things. But anyway, uh, guys, thank you for listening to the Manchester Football Social. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to it by searching Manchester Football Social. Uh, there's a City one there, United one. Get it subscribed so you get episodes all the time. I've been Stephen, that's been Danny over there and well next to me and we'll see you soon.